I'm very excited to begin the next chapter of my playing career for the Denver Broncos. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? You're listening to your favorite Broncos podcast with George Stoya. Each week, George will guide you through the latest in Broncos country. That means the downs. It's, it's not like a secret. <laughs> you know, we suck in September. And the ups. And I, I'm going to say this, and you would not want me to say this, but this one's for Pat! And everything in between. Kind of curious what the hell George Payton's going to do. Here's your host, George Stoya. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the second episode of your favorite Broncos podcast hosted by myself, George Stoya. Today we'll be talking a little bit about Jerry Judy and Ronald Darby here right off the bat with myself. Uh, and then I have a pretty good interview with my, my good friend Zach Seegers over at Mile High Sports and we kind of break down the Giants game as well as the upcoming Jaguars game this, this, this next weekend. So um, first though, to get started, uh, I just wanted to touch a little bit on some breaking news that literally just happened as I'm as I'm recording this. Jerry Judy, uh, with his ankle injury, is going on the uh, injured reserve, the short short term IR, and that's important to know because uh, that means he can come back after three weeks. He he has to sit out at least three weeks, uh, and then he can come back. Now I don't expect him from the people I talk to to be back in in three weeks. I think you're looking more at a situation where it's four or five, maybe six, and even, even past six weeks that he's out. But I, I do think he'll, he'll return this season, which is good news because as Zach and I talk on, you know, later in, in the podcast, uh, you know, that back half of the season is going to be important to have Judy and, and, and be healthy. And, and I will be honest too, when I first saw that, that play happen, it, it looked like maybe his season was over. So for them to be able to get him back this season is great news. The other one that, that is a little bit of a surprise uh, is Ronald Darby at cornerback. And, and you know, he played the entire game. I believe he played 61 snaps on defensive, which I, I think was all of the defensive snaps. From what I've heard is and, and what has now been reported out there, he did suffer a, a hamstring injury late in that game, played through it. But after further evaluation, it, it looks like they're going to put, put him on the short-term IR as well. But they do expect him to be back after those three weeks. As long as things go according to plan, he is somebody that will be back after those three weeks. But of course, uh, that's a little bit of a bummer, but what an opportunity, right, for for a rookie like Pat Sertan, who we got to see a little bit on Sunday and obviously a lot of in the preseason and training camp. And and uh, obviously he's the future at that position. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he fills in. And, and you know, they do catch a little bit of a break here, getting to go up against the Jaguars and Jets these next couple of weeks. And they probably feel comfortable throwing a rookie into those spots, especially going up against rookie quarterbacks these next two weeks. So, you know, those are two big pieces of news that Zach and I didn't really get to as that kind of just broke. But I just wanted to touch on those couple things, um, you know, before we get into this week's episode. Uh, I also, there was also some curiosity out there about my 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 logo that I wanted to address real quick picture of me or the, the graphic of me uh, laying down there on, on my on my logo. So for those of you that, that have not followed me, you know, throughout my very short career, when I was a student at the OU Daily at the University of Oklahoma, that was something I did. I went to every venue I went to, I would take a picture laying down like that. Uh, on the field in the end zone. And so that's kind of been my, my go-to thing. And, and, you know, it, it was something that I really enjoyed doing in college and, and hope to do here 
uh, now covering the NFL. So that's a little, little background on that, but that's enough of me just talking. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Zach Seeger. Zach is uh, incredibly knowledgeable and, and one of my uh, good friends on the beat that I've made so far in my short time here. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure to subscribe, like, give a review, you know, five stars, uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, for this podcast. And, and uh, uh, I'll see you guys again next Wednesday. All right, guys, welcome into the podcast. Zach Seegers of Mile High Sports, mainly Broncos podcast. And let me add this. Zach has the best socks on the beat. I will say that. Zach, your sock game, it seems like every single time that you're at availability, I see you with these like blue or yellow or green socks. And I love it. I don't know where you get those socks, but they're the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I've, I've, I try to go big with the uh, uh, media. I don't know, just trying to look nice because everyone, I feel everyone's got the same look and, you know, being yeah. a new guy on the beat like yourself, I'm trying to uh, distinguish myself a little bit. So I, I, I appreciate that on the sock game. I'll, I'll keep bringing it strong for uh, uh, the rest of the season. Well, you're certainly better dressed than I am. I know yesterday I showed up to uh, Monday availability wearing a Michael Scott the office shirt with uh, just some gym shorts and tennis shoes because I had just gotten off the plane back from uh, New York. So uh, you're definitely better dressed than myself, but I will say nobody tops James Palmer of NFL network. He's always in like, yeah, he's dressed to the nines every single week. So tailored suit and the hair yeah. too. The hair is the nice hair. Nice. The hair is nice. Yeah. I don't know. I need to figure out where he gets his haircut. Uh, and I really like my barber, but uh, you know, he gets it, he gets it done. Nice. So, uh, but Zach, I didn't bring here, bring you here to talk about fashion, uh, brought you in here to uh, talk a little Broncos football and, and, and let's start with the giants game. Uh, and you and I, we've talked a lot throughout training camp. Um, you know, there's been a big emphasis on starting fast. I mean, you know, you look back at the last two years, obviously being zero and seven in September, um, you know, is, is not good. Uh, that is not good. Uh, and you, you look at the schedule and I think everybody on the beat uh, and everybody on the team too, uh, agreed that this was a, a perfect opportunity, right? You open up with a team like the Giants who haven't been successful in the past. Uh, Joe Judge, you know, had a rough first year last year. Daniel Jones is a quarterback that we've seen turn the ball over. And then these next two weeks, and we'll get into these next two games too, Jaguars and Jets. I mean, y- you couldn't ask for a better setup. Uh, and the Broncos went out and achieved that on Sunday. You know, they really took it to the Giants and, and really, uh, in my opinion, won by 20 points. I, I know that you know, Daniel Jones ran it in there at the end, but um, you know, Zach, just what was your impression and how good is it for the Broncos uh, to get off to the start that they did against uh, the giants? So meaningful, you know, and I think also just what it does for the atmosphere of the city, but more importantly, the atmosphere of the team, like it's going to mentally affect, and I've never been an NFL player, so I can't fully put myself in their shoes, but I just, I can't believe it doesn't affect one at all to you know open the season up with a bad loss i'm trying to think about who the broncos lost to the last two years like that bad loss to the titans that was kind of heartbreaking or um you know the home i know it was week two but that home loss to the bears um in fangio's first season like uh, i guess it was maybe the ravens the week before and that was also kind of a painful loss Uh, games like that have to leave a mental impression or at least a tonal impression on uh, the, the team, the coaching staff, everything, as opposed to, like you said, it should have been a 20 point win. I think you could even argue it could have been, you know, 23, 27 point yeah. win. If that Logan Ryan, which uh, Logan Ryan fumble recovery, 
which uh, uh, Fangio was told by the officials almost went the other way. And based on what I saw on the game broadcast, it looked like, in my humble opinion, like it should have gone the Broncos way and yeah. possession should have stayed with them. You know, that's easy field goal range. They could have even gotten a touchdown there. And that's a 30 or 34 to seven win. Um, uh, and you don't want to do that too much because the game happened the way it happened for a reason. But uh, yeah, everything happened perfectly. Maybe the defense wasn't quite as dominant as you wanted. Daniel Jones got off to a eight of 10 for a 109 yards start. But from that point on, uh, he had a stretch where he goes five of 14 for, um, I don't have the yardage off the top of my head, but five, 14, five for 14, zero touchdowns, yeah. like 30 some odd yards. Uh, he was playing like a backup quarterback all of a sudden. I, I think back to, uh, I think it was the 42 yard completion early in the game uh, against Fuller that you were like, oh man, is this going to be the defense that we, we thought it was going to be? And then they respond and we saw, you know, Von Miller, you know, come up with a, a tackle for loss. He had a couple sacks. Um, you know, I, I thought the defense played spectacular most of the game. Yeah, they gave up some drives, but they they did that bend, don't break type defense. And they came up with the, with, with the turnover when it really mattered. And that's something that, you know, I know has been a huge emphasis for this team in the offseason is they just did not get enough takeaways last year. And for, so for them to get uh, that fumble recovery, Josie Jewell, I believe, popped it out with Alexander Johnson you know, I think was huge for this team moving forward defensively, um, offensively. And I want to get your thoughts on this, Teddy Bridgewater. Let me just yes. say this I, as much as I, you know, I was impressed with Teddy throughout training camp. Uh, you know, whether you thought he won the job or not, it was really close, uh, but we did not see the type of Teddy Bridgewater that we saw Sunday. This, this ma like magician running around, breaking tackles, getting out of the pocket, hitting guys downfield. Um, you know, I, I know Teddy's a, a good quarterback. He, I mean, there's a reason he's been in the league as long as he has, and, and uh, teams still are interested in him. Uh, but for him to go out and do some of the things that he did, it, it, like his mobility was unbelievable. I, I, I just, I did not see it coming. And, and um, you know, I saw some jokes calling him Teddy Mahomes. And, and you know, I don't even think that was a stretch at times. Like the, I think about the play to, uh, to KJ Hamler, I think it was in the third quarter on that, that yeah. opening drive where he scrambled out, broke a tackle and he's, you know, he's got like three guys on him, like coming at him and he throws it across the field, like the biggest sin a quarterback can make and hits KJ Hamler for a first down on like third. And I think it was like third and seven or something. And then he goes yeah. down on that same drive and he has the play to Albert. O. unbelievable. I mean, that's just, that's, those are plays that when you look back and I know I, I haven't been here, uh, you know, watching this team, maybe as much as you have, or, or a lot of people on the beat, but I think it's safe to say they haven't had a guy make plays like that consistently throughout a game in a while. And so I want, I wanted to get your take on that. Cause I know that you've obviously been following the team a little bit longer than I have, but just how impressed were you by Teddy's debut as, as a Bronco? Yeah, I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, you hit the um, uh, Albert Oakwaven on touchdown and the KJ hammer touchdown, which were definitely the two most impressive uh, plays of the day but even the Tim Patrick touchdown where he's rolling left and there yeah. is tight coverage on um the angle he has to make that throw out uh, uh or throw at rather um so I think even that one had an aspect of it but yeah I was I was thoroughly impressed um you know people point out the uh, great Drew Locke game against the uh, Panthers or, or even against yeah. the Texans um the Texans I think it's some of that aspect where he had some really wild tight window throws um 
but the Panthers game had a lot to do with, and hey, Drew Locke delivered the ball well. You know, I, I'm just trying to get ahead of any yeah. uh, uh, heat that comes my way. I'm not criticizing the guy. But those throws, you know, K.J. Hamler was wide open. Jerry Judy was wide open, streaking through the defense. This was, uh, to your point, just impressive, wild plays that, yeah, I haven't seen since probably Peyton Manning was under center. You know, even then, that pocket movement wasn't his style. Um, for stuff like that, you'd probably have to go back to Jake Plummer era or something, uh, seeing plays like that on a consistent basis in Denver. And the two things I want to hit on with uh, Teddy looking so good, I think it reaffirmed two narratives we saw throughout the uh, preseason. One, the quarterback's looking much better in the games than what we'd been seeing in practice, yeah. both of them. And two, kind of this, this thing with Locke, with how well he played in the preseason, something you saw, or at least I saw a good bit of, was maybe Locke isn't the low floor option. Maybe his floor is pretty comparable to Teddy's, in which case he's just the high ceiling option, go with Locke. I think today's game brought up the question, similarly to how Locke's brought up the question about the floor, is Locke the high ceiling quarterback? Because Teddy Bridgewater had a near perfect QBR, the best QBR in, in all of football. Uh, EPA, another advanced analytic, absolutely loved his performance. Uh, I think he was fourth in that of any quarterback. Wow. Or Actually, he was second. I'm wrong. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Winston. He was fourth in PFF's grades, which I'm not a huge PFF guy, but that's just another metric to be used. Any way you want to measure quarterback production. Oh, and also average depth of target, measuring how aggressive a quarterback was, sixth in the league. So he had wow. no problem throwing the ball downfield. Which was a big um, narrative, right? That was a big yes. narrative when they brought him in. They're like, he's not aggressive. He's checked down Teddy. So, I mean, that's, that's an important stat. Go ahead. Sorry, I yes. interrupted. No, no, you're fine. I'm glad you, yeah, because uh, that's exactly where I'm going with that. He, he, everyone was saying he's just going to check it down. It's going to be, you know, running backs and tight ends. And, yes, Noah Fant had a great day. He had no problem. Uh, uh, it's the Denver Gazette being a little gutsy, I'll say, <laughs> with his decisions. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I would be thrilled if I'm a Broncos fan with Teddy. Do I think we get that? level every week no because it was like you alluded to earlier yeah. teddy mahomes we're not going to get that every week but if you get a shade of it if he's a top 15 quarterback this team's going to be really competitive and he could easily be that this guy's been to a pro bowl before yeah well you heard it here first folks zach Sears is predicting mvp for teddy bridgewater um, unanimous <laughs> uh i will say i will say you know and, and we'll get into this later but the next two opponents it's only getting a little bit easier here uh, these next couple weeks. You know, I, you know, I don't think people realize that uh, the Giants defense is actually pretty good. And I mean, their pass rush. I mean, I, I thought they actually had a pretty good pass rush most of the game uh, against the Broncos. And, and you know, that's what I, I mentioned in one of my stories is the offensive line. I thought was just OK. I thought they were pretty good in the run game at times, especially late in the game. You could tell they wore down that Giants defensive front. And part of that was because the game was a little bit out of hand. But, you know, they were after Teddy there in the backfield. And Teddy had to move out of the pocket and make plays with his feet. And, and so that, that's definitely something they need to work on. But I think that you look at these next two opponents uh, and you're like, man, I, I don't know if Teddy can be that consistent and do it all year. But these next two weeks, man, I, I think he has a chance to, to, to keep that going. Zach, one guy, you know, one thing we're burying the lead here is Jerry Judy. And that, that injury that happened there in the third quarter, I will say when it happened, I thought he broke his ankle because when I watched the replay, the way that his ankle moved, I think that a lot of people thought that he was done for the year, myself included. And, you know, as someone that has 
been injured several times, as some of my loyal listeners may know from hurting my ankle and breaking my arm in college from just doing dumb things. I think that it speaks to how great of an athlete Jerry Judy is to know that it sounds like he's not going to be out for as long as we had thought, not even, you know, I know that there's, there were some reports originally that it was like six to eight weeks. Now it sounds like at least according to Adam Schefter uh, tweeted out yesterday, four to six weeks. Uh, and if that's the case, I mean, that's remarkable uh, because I, again, watching it, watching it, you know, obviously live at the game, but then seeing the replay, I just was like, man, he's that stinks. Cause I mean, I think we've all, we all agree. Jerry's been arguably the Broncos best player throughout training camp. I mean, he's been spectacular and he was having a great game too. Uh, on Sunday and it looked like he was he was going to have you know close to maybe a hundred yard game if he finished out the, the the game so Zach what was your thoughts what was going through your mind too when maybe when you saw it live on television I know that they, they showed the replay it seemed like a lot I could only watch it once or twice because it just makes my stomach turn but but what was your reaction and then I mean obviously how <laughs> how how lucky are the Broncos to know that it's only four to six weeks maybe yeah tremendously lucky it, it... It brought back like Dak Prescott flashbacks. Yes. I mean, just the way it, it looked season ending, it looked, you know, and Dak's ankle injury was so uh, uh, scary. There were even concerns about it going into this year. So, yeah, it looked that severe. I was really concerned about it. But, yeah, it just seems like the situation continued to get better and better. You know, like you said, at first it was six to eight weeks. But that was it was, I believe, reported by Albright uh, first. And, yeah. and adding on to that, he was saying, you know, it's probably on the the eight week side, maybe even more like that's at least six to eight weeks. And, and like you said, then all of a sudden it's four to six and it's, it's tremendous luck because I think Jerry Judy has the potential to be the best player on this offense. Garrett Bowles is a fantastic talent. Corlin Sutton's a great talent. Um, Noah Fant, you know, Melvin Gordon, they, they've got a lot of good pieces. I think what we saw in camp and especially, you know, his style fits with Teddy. And after that game, I'm not seeing Teddy getting benched anytime soon. Judy had the potential and still has the potential to be the best player on this offense and a really important factor. Uh, you have the talent behind him where you can survive losing him for four or six weeks, uh, but being down a player like that for the entire season is uh, uh, really devastating. Like he's not at A.J. Brown's level, but I view it kind of as like if the Titans lost A.J. Brown. Like you've still got Julio, you still got Drake, you've got guys, you'll be right. okay. But losing AJ Brown for four six weeks, or you know, for an entire season, is still pretty devastating. Yeah, and, and I, to be clear, I don't expect him to be back uh, in four weeks. I just don't, and, unless it really was not that severe. And and he's a guy, you know, being a young player, a guy that obviously, no matter what happens this season, he's he is a a corner piece, right? He's a guy that you want to keep uh, for the entirety of his career if you can. Um, but I'm looking at the schedule here. And let's say it takes him six weeks. That would put him back, looks like around Halloween against Washington at home. Uh, so he would miss the Jaguars game, Jets, Ravens, Steelers, Raiders, Browns. And, and maybe that Browns game, a Thursday night game, maybe that's a game he tries to come back to. But it, it, it just largely depends. Like, I don't know uh, if he tore some ligaments in that ankle. I know for me, when I got an ankle sprain. And again, I am, I am not Jerry Judy in any sense. I hurt my ankle playing volleyball, just being an idiot. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was, I was in a boot for at least a month and I tore a couple ligaments in that ankle. And so if that's the case for Jerry, obviously, um, you know, he'll be out for some time, but to even get him back this, this back stretch, when you, when you start playing a lot of those divisional games, um, you know, the chargers chiefs and Raiders there on the, on the back half of the season, uh, you know, that'll be huge to have 
a guy like that hopefully back and and and, and close to a hundred percent as possible. Um, but Zach, let's run through some of these questions, these Twitter questions I got after the game, uh, and then we'll move over to some some previewing of, of the Jaguars game this weekend. But first, the first question I got, and, and, you know, we didn't really hit on this yet about the game is, is the aggressiveness on fourth down here to stay? And I think that it's an interesting question because we saw it a little bit in the preseason Vic going forward on fourth down, especially in that, I believe it was that Seahawks game. Uh, they went, they went for it, I think three or four times in that game uh, overall, especially with, I think they converted twice with Teddy uh, in that game. And, and obviously you look at the, the game on Sunday, going for it three times. Uh, I think they went for it. Uh, was it in the first quarter or second quarter? The first one they went for, and they, I mean, they converted all three, but there was the one early, I think they went down and scored a field goal on that drive. Then the, the big one to me was the one that they went for at fourth and two, I think it was 48, 49 seconds left on the giants, 49 yard line. Um, and they, they went for it, hit Sutton on the 14 yard pass, went down and scored a touchdown right before the half. And it changed the whole momentum of the game going for it there. Uh, but I, I think it is here to stay. And, and listening to Vic yesterday, and I don't know if you if you caught some of his press conference uh, yesterday, but he talked about uh, it's it's a gut feeling. It's something that that he kind of just feels throughout the game. And I, I like it. I mean, I think it's I think it's a good thing. I think Vic going for it is something that they need to do more often. And if it shows a lot of confidence in this offense. Now, I, I they're not going to get, they're not going to convert every single time, but I do like the aggressiveness, especially when, you're losing a game that you probably feel like you should be winning, you know, against the giants and, and you're right there before the half and, and uh, trying to change the momentum. I, I thought it was a gutsy call, but, but I was all in on it. And so I think it is here to stay. Yeah. I think it's definitely here to stay. You know, it, it shows faith in offense and offense uh, or offense and also the defense um, yeah. to uh, uh, bail you out. Um, if it does go poorly, and I think it's here to stay because, um, you know, I'm sure gut feeling is some of it. I'm sure it's also, partly inspired by the analytics department or whatever. Um, And I think we could have seen Vic gone away from it or go away from it if it didn't work in the preseason game. And then it doesn't work against the Giants. Maybe that first attempt goes wrong and they they back off it just because he is old fashioned. And I could see, you know, maybe he has some analytics guys in his ears. Maybe it is really just his gut feeling, Um, but he sees it not work out. And then he's kind of scared off it. Um, The fact it's, worked out they're three for three this game and then in the preseason were they one for or two for two yeah i think so that sounds right so there's five for five now on fourth downs it would be foolish to turn away from it at this point now they're not going to be a hundred percent on the season obviously but if you have a, a fairly decent hit rate it's good to go for it just because the threat of going for it um, I don't know. It gives your offense a lot. You, you it, it allows you to be, I don't know, a little less perfect on those first three downs. Teams all across the league should be going for it more. Like I think the fact that the Ravens are willing to go for it as much as they do, it, even when it doesn't pay off, just the fact that they're willing to go for it and all their players have this mentality of like, hey, let's be ready to go on fourth down. That third down play didn't work, but we've got fourth and one. Let's get up quick and let's go. That's a, a definite strategic advantage, I think. And something so much of the league is behind the eight ball on. If Vic all of a sudden becomes one of the more modern coaches uh, with his fourth down philosophy, going from, by the way, the most outdated, a uh, next-gen stats release, the thing that he was worst in the entire NFL last year going for it. Uh, so if he all of a sudden becomes a front runner at that, 
it, it really could be a difference maker for the Broncos. Yeah, throw out, throw out all the narratives about the Broncos this season. Teddy Bridgewater, he can run, he can, he's aggressive. Uh, Vic Fangio, he's going to go for it on every fourth down. Uh, just throw it all out the window. Uh, next question, Zach, who's picking up Jerry Judy's production? And I, I think that that's obviously an important question. Um, but I think it's pretty, to me, it's pretty obvious who's going to pick up that production. And I think it's going to be Tim Patrick in my eyes and, and Cortland Sutton. I mean, it's going to be a combination, obviously, but I, I look at those two guys specifically, um, you know, the other question here was what happened to wide receiver Cortland Sutton. And I, I think part of that was, um, you know, Tim Patrick just had a good game. Uh, and I think Jerry had a good game as well um, before he got hurt. And so I think that that's going to happen week to week where one guy's going to stand out maybe above the other four. Uh, and that's just going to happen in a talented wide receiver room like that. But when, when a guy like Judy goes down, I think that they're going to rely heavily on Sutton. And I don't think it was that Sutton wasn't getting open. Um, I just think that Tim Patrick was in better spots at times. Um, and, and I think that obviously towards the end of the game, they just started running the ball. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that it's going to be a combination of Patrick and Sutton. And I think we're going to see some Hamler in there as well. I mean, Hamler, man, he had a chance. He had a chance to uh, really have a, a big game uh, on Sunday after dropping that pass. Uh, you know, that was, I mean, he was wide open uh, there yeah. for a touchdown and, and that would have been, you know, 50 yard, 40 yard pass uh, for a touchdown. But I, I think it's going to be a combination. And I think it'll be really interesting too, uh, who they pick up off the practice squad. Cause I, I think they're definitely going to elevate someone these next few weeks. And maybe they, maybe they give Tyree Cleveland a chance this week and then Seth Williams next week or, or something like that. I don't really know uh, how that'll work, but uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they elevate maybe even a Kendall Hinton uh, in that position. Um, so who do you think uh, will maybe pick up that slack that, that, that Judy uh, is, is obviously leaving behind as he's injured. Yeah. You know, I think you throw out a lot of good names. Um, didn't throw out actually my number one guy surprisingly i think noah fan okay um well, that, that, yeah, yeah okay at wide receiver sorry if we're narrowing it to wide receiver i, I hear you yeah tim patrick's the go-to but i think what jerry judy provides the offense and and people might disagree with this because of the the drops thing from last year which i think is overrated but uh i think he's the security blanket for yeah. for teddy bridgewater or whatever and with him out i think that's going to be you know noah fan's responsibility um, after fan, my, my two guys were going to be Tim Patrick. Cause he's also very much a, a security blanket. Your third and seven guy. I know I can throw it to uh, TP and he's going to get it. The last one is Alberto. I think we're going to see yeah. more 12 personnel as a result of this injury. And Alberto looked great. Like I know he had the fumble, but ultimately I think that shouldn't have hurt the Broncos as much as it did. Um, you know, and they were still fine ultimately. And then he had the unbelievable effort for that, uh, touchdown later on in the game to redeem himself yeah I, I think those guys will really benefit but it's going to be a bit of everyone like you were saying Hamler's gonna uh you know fill some of that void uh as for the practice squad guys I actually think Kendall Hinton I thought he looked you know good in a, a training camp good in the preseason and of those three practice squad receivers he definitely fits that archetype uh the best yeah I would agree and you know of those three guys I thought Hinton probably had the best training camp of those three. Um, you know, yeah, I thought he, he caught more passes. Tyree Cleveland had a rough training camp, as, as we've said before. Seth Williams, obviously being a rookie, um, you know, I think he's still learning a lot of different things, especially the offense. So it'll be interesting to see who maybe they elevate. And I know that they even mentioned Deontay Spencer will probably get some more run on offense. Um, you know, they're not running a ton of 
you know, three wide sets, but I wouldn't be shocked if you see Spencer out there a little bit, but I think you're right. The tight ends, that makes a lot sense, a lot of sense uh, in terms of being a security blanket, especially when you have guys as big of, as big as Noah fan and, and Alberto. And we saw, I mean, that, you know, the two tight end sets, that's going to be something they do a lot of. And Teddy really enjoys, uh, I don't know if he enjoys, but he, he's really good at hitting those tight ends and, and finding those guys. I mean, we saw him hit Noah fan over the middle quite a few times, obviously the Alberto touchdown. Uh, so I, I think that that that's definitely uh, something to watch. Okay. We'll hit one more question here. Uh, and this is more of a question for you because I, I, again, I don't know if I can answer this, but uh, since I haven't been here, but is this the best offense uh, since the Super Bowl team uh, in 2015, 2016. And, and I, you know, going back and just looking at some of the stats, some of the players on that team, I think it's definitely the best team since 2016, the 2016 season. Uh, but I don't know if it's, if it's, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. That team had CJ Anderson, Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas. Um, you know, I, I think that that was a pretty good, pretty good team. Um, and I think it's, it's too early to say yes or no, but just based off the first game, do you think it can be the best offense since that Super Bowl team? Yeah. Um, based on the first game, I think it's uh, uh, the best offense since 2014. You know, the 2015 yeah. offense was pretty bad with Manning and yeah. Osweiler. Uh, Simeon was decent. Um, but, you know, what you added from, I don't know, I guess a post-snap perspective over – that ancient version of Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler, you lost a lot of the pre-snap stuff uh, uh, that Manning would do to get the offense in a good shape. Um, I agree with the surrounding talent aspect for sure, but I do think we saw the offensive line take a bit of a step back that year from 2015. Um, the tight end room was a big problem. And Simeon, you know, if one could argue, was the best quarterback the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning, um, but still wasn't a good quarterback having a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater and all this talent around him, I would, I would go, I would tend to say, yeah, like this performance was awesome. And like you said, the giants have a good defense. Interior pressure was constantly in Teddy's face. Their secondary is really, really strong, which also might, uh, you know, James Bradbury uh, might explain some of uh, uh, Sutton's struggles. I, I don't know. I just think this offense, like you said, it's way too early to say, but after one game, I think it's the best since 2014. Now they have to keep it up, but yeah, the Jaguars defense is bad. The Jets defense is bad. You might not get a really good picture until week six, week seven or so, but yeah, I, as of now, they're, they're definitely the best since 2014. Yeah. I, I think you're right too. And, and that's a good transition here because I think you're right in terms of looking at this schedule, the next two weeks, they should win. They should, they should start the season three and zero. Uh, in my opinion, and, and then you kind of get a real test against that Ravens team, which, you know, we got to see a little bit Monday night. And, you know, I think that they're, 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 the Ravens are an interesting team because Lamar Jackson just is one incredibly hard to defend. Uh, and so you have to game plan around that, but then their defense is so up and down and, and they play that zero coverage. And it'll be interesting to see, especially if, if the Broncos go into that game three and zero playing at home, man, that's going to be a tough environment for the Ravens. And, and the Ravens could be going, and I can't remember their schedule, but I believe they've got a, a tough couple games here, to, you know, heading into that game. Uh, and so if the Ravens come in and they're, you know, let's say they one, and, one and two. Chiefs and Lions. So yeah, I mean, could... very. I, they're probably going to be one and two. 
uh, is the way I look at that. And the Lions actually showed a little bit of life there at the end of the, uh, their game against the 49ers. So it'll be it'll be the third of their first four games on the road. Um, man, that's tough. All of them, all of them traveling pretty far uh, west. The furthest east they get to play, they get the home game against the Chiefs. But I I would definitely bet on the Chiefs on that one. Um, the furthest east they get to go is the Lions, which you know, maybe a bit of an easier game before the Broncos, but yeah, Lions looked kind of frisky this week. And I don't know. I think the Ravens kind of underwhelmed me. I know I agree. You're previewing these upcoming games, but that's okay. This is the Jaguars and Jets. The Steelers are kind of the team I'm watching now. Like that defense, I feel worse about the Steelers game than I did. And I feel better about the Ravens game than I did. I don't know. Like Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson cannot contain uh Lamar Jackson but if Fangio can figure out a workaround for that I am just not concerned the drop off to Tyson Williams was noticeable and the like Marquise Brown had had a nice play here or there but Sammy Watkins looked disappointing I just yeah I think while the Ravens are still going to be a really good team this year and a playoff team this year with the defensive regression on top of you know maybe a little bit of offensive regression uh, I think they're more of like a 10 and 17 than a 13 and 4 you know, 12 and five. Yeah. I'm looking at the Steelers schedule here. And again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. And maybe we're drinking too much of the Broncos Kool-Aid after week one, but they've got the Raiders. Yeah. (laughs) The the Steelers have the Raiders, Bengals and Packers before they play the Broncos. So, I mean, could you imagine if, if the Broncos and Steelers are four and oh playing each other in Pittsburgh, how fun that would be. But, um, but yeah, let's let's get into some Jaguar stuff, you know, before this week and and uh, also before uh, we run out of time here. But um, you know, I I'll be honest, I didn't get I didn't catch a lot of the Jaguars Texans games. Maybe you got to watch a little bit at home, Zach. But uh, just looking at the box score here, and I don't want to be box score scouting, but uh, just looking at the box score here, I think that the uh, the Broncos should easily cover uh, this game. I think the line is at I want to say six six and a half. Uh, yeah yeah, man i if the broncos don't cover that i'll be surprised um you know looking at trevor lawrence stats who obviously is a rookie and you know i think he's going to be great eventually he just got to get some guys around him i probably needs a different head coach that's just my opinion but um you know he had 332 yards three touchdowns and three interceptions his qbr was 14.2 oh that's that is not good they ran the ball for 76 yards and uh, let's see, what's their, what did their defense give up here? Tyrod Taylor looked like an MVP, 21 of 33, 291 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 76.1 QBR. So I, again, like we said earlier, I think Bridgewater, I don't know if he can be consistent all season, but these, these first three games, I think you're looking at the potential to have, you know, a, a monster start offensively for the Broncos. But uh, what do you think, what stands out about this Jaguars team that maybe could trip up the Broncos when, when you when you look at it again it's so hard I think the biggest the two biggest things maybe I'll, I'll say three biggest things for the Broncos to worry about number one early kickoff on the east coast that's my biggest uh, and the fact that that's my biggest concern says a lot um yeah. <laughs> number two uh Trevor Lawrence going full super saiyan I think he's got that in him I think he's got you know some Andrew Luck you know he's not all that similar stylistically to Patrick Mahomes, but I, I really still believe in Trevor Lawrence being an awesome quarterback. And as bad as the debut was, there were still flashes. He, there were high highs and low lows. And if you remove some of the low lows, maybe he 
can lift the team. He's a quarterback that can carry a team at times. Um, and so maybe that happens. That's concern number two. But again, not a big concern because it's behind the kickoff time and location. Uh, concern number three, humidity. It's a hot, humid game, and Broncos teams haven't done all that well in Florida historically. I am just so not worried about this Jacksonville Jaguars team. Their offensive line is comparable, maybe even worse than the Giants, uh, and their running back talent is a lot worse than Saquon Barkley, and the Broncos had no problem shutting that run game down. Uh, LaVisca Chenault's a fun player, um, but with Denver's secondary, they should be able to manage that. Like this receiving core, while young and fun, isn't as good as the Giants. Um, I just, I don't see the paths to victory for their offense. And their defense is considerably worse than the Giants. And I think their coaching staff is considerably worse. Urban Meyer looks like he doesn't want to be there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos. He's going to USC, Zach. He's going to USC. You beat me to it. I was. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos win this game, forty-two to seven, and we get a, a Urban Meyer, Bobby Petrino resignation of the players, yeah. office, and he's off to to SoCal. I won't, He might not make it through the season, and I think he could be gone. We're already hearing the rumors he wants to leave. When he's lost the locker room, right? Wasn't that the rumors this week that the the players are already starting yes. to turn a little bit and and that man apparently his heart isn't in it and he's considering resigning after week one this guy's got like he's not used to losing 35 7 ever let alone to the worst team in the league like forget conference division worst team in the league um and now like the broncos should wax him too like this game yeah. should not be close it might yeah, be I, but it should not be yeah yeah i just well and it's Man, if Trevor Lawrence is throwing three interceptions against that Texans defense, and now yeah. he's got to go up against this Broncos secondary, who boy, I I just don't. Uh, especially week two, if this game was later in the season, maybe the Jaguars figure some things out, uh, maybe they sneak up on the Broncos, something like that. But week two, I I just don't see it happening, man. I, I just don't, and and uh, the Broncos should win this game. And so so let's go into some over under, and then we'll get out of here, Zach. Uh, this is a game I like to play. Basically, do you think it, they're going to have over, under, uh, and then maybe a little bit explanation why? So first off, I have here over, under, two and a half interceptions for the Broncos defense on Sunday. I'm going to go under just because I feel like, uh, you know, three is a hard number to get. Yeah. Um, I do think they might get that too, but we're going to see, uh, uh, you think the adjustment for Lawrence would be uh, minimize some of the hero ball stuff. Um, and again, I think that benefits the Broncos because it limits uh, the chances of Lawrence going full Super Saiyan. Yeah, I, I think that I think it's going to be around two uh, interceptions, maybe one, two. But I think they maybe get a couple fumbles. Uh, I could see maybe Von Miller getting a strip sack against a rookie quarterback sure. like that. Um, you know, Bradley Chubb, if he plays, maybe he gets a strip sack, something like that uh, to get, you know, them to like three or four turnovers in that game. Uh, two and a half touchdowns uh, for Teddy Bridgewater over under. I'm going to go over. They, they showed a willingness to throw it in the red zone, throw it downfield, um, throw it a lot. I think his performance is only going to instill more confidence in the coaching staff. And again, this Jaguars defense from a pass rush perspective, from a coverage perspective, from a schematics and coaching perspective is considerably uh, uh, worse than the Giants everywhere. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the over too. I think he throws three touchdown passes in this game. Uh, I think if Tyrod Taylor can throw – can play the way he did. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor. 
uh, I think he tears up this Jaguars defense. I, I I could even see him, and this goes to my next question: over under 250 yards passing for Bridgewater. I think he's I hate, I think he hits the over on that. I think he I think we're looking at a, maybe a three touchdown, 300 yard passing game for for Bridgewater. Yeah, the yardage to me comes down to like when do the coaches take their foot off the gas? You know, yeah. and I, the touchdowns might be that too because it could be. Uh, it could be fourteen nothing halfway through the first quarter. I'm like, okay, we can we can back off Run the a ball. little. Yeah. Um, and I will say, if he were to throw three touchdowns, and I think it's very realistic. I took the over as well. He would be a third of the way. Two games into the season, he'd be a third of the way to a new career passing touchdown high. So, like he's yeah. a new Teddy. He's in a great situation. Yeah. He can have a, a higher season Teddy here. Well, throw, again, throw all the narratives out the window, man. This is a new Broncos, right? We're, we're drinking the Kool-Aid here on uh, your favorite Broncos yes. podcast. Uh, 45 points scored over under total 45 points. Between the two teams. Yeah. I think that's what it's at right now. Oh, oh that's so tough. Cause I think the Jaguar, I'm going to say under because I think the Jaguars are going to score like nothing. Um, you know, maybe in that 10, somewhere between like seven and 13 points. And then the Broncos, I could see them hitting, you know, like 35, 40, kind of like the, the Texans did. But I could also see them really like taking their foot off the gas and just knowing like, yeah, we're not scared of this team. Um, we can chill a little bit. Uh, so I, I'll take the under, but that's a that's a scary line. I'd probably stay away from. Yeah, I'll take the under too. As much as I believe in this Broncos offense, I, I think you're looking at maybe a final score of like uh, 31 to seven. Like maybe they get up, yeah. you know, 24 nothing or something kind of like you said, take their foot off the gas. Uh, maybe the Jaguars score like touchdown score like the Giants did this last, this last week. But 45 points is a lot, especially I just, I, I don't think the Jaguars offense is going to be very good. And then you look at the, the Broncos offense again, I, I think that they're good. I just don't think that they're going to be scoring a, like 40 points a game. Um, hundred yards rushing by Melvin Gordon. Do you, I, I, he had 101 this last week. So this might be pushing it. Maybe, maybe change this to 75 yards rushing by Melvin Gordon. I would have taken the over on hundred, I think. And I'll really the over on 75. It's a big number. And I think that obviously the number is inflated by the 70 yard run. And outside of that, he was fairly bottled up and Williams can definitely eat away into it. But I think the Broncos are going to rush for a lot of yardage against the Jaguars. Their front seven is awful. Um, the Broncos clearly showed a willingness to run the ball a lot against the Giants. The coaching staff has talked about how their offense is going to start with the run game. Um, and yet the Jaguars are a team that is going to be much easier to run it on than that uh, Dexter Lawrence um, uh, uh, shoot. Who's the uh, Leonard Williams front of the Giants? Yeah, you, I was... The uh, let's see here. The Texans rushed for 160 yards for context, but uh, I'm going to take the under on Gordon. And that's only because I think Javante Williams has a big game. And that leads me to my next one, which is over under 50 yards rushing for Javante Williams. Over. I'm going to take uh, over two. Yeah. It's a big rushing game for the two guys. I'd bet over on both of those. Um, hope both hit, but I, I think you're definitely hitting on one of those. How much did, uh, how much did, did, uh, uh, Javante run for this last week. He ran for 45. So he was right there um, at that around that 50 yard mark. So I, I think he definitely gets over 50 this week. But, I, but you know, if he's the one who gets that 70 yard thing, and I don't think like, yeah. Melvin Gordon did something Williams was incapable of on that. I play. Agree. If, if he gets that hole, it's him with 110 and Melvin Gordon with 30. 
Do you think Javante, this is the next one, over under half a touchdown for Javante Williams? So basically, do you think he scores or does he not score this week? Ooh, that's tough because I don't know if they'll go to Williams or Gordon in the red zone. Uh, I'll go over because, again, I think, man, some of my predictions I feel are conflicting here, but I'll go over. I I feel like he can run all over this Jags team. Zach Zach just thinks the Broncos are going to, like, win 50-0. to That's that's my takeaway from this podcast. They lost to the Texans 35-7. to I know. It's not out of the question. It's not out of the question. Uh, I'll also take the over on Javante Williams. And I did last week, I will say. Last week we did the same thing. And I, I, I said on there that I thought he was going to rush for close to 100 yards and have a touchdown, and he didn't. But like you said, if he gets that that run that Melvin had, the 70-yard touchdown run, maybe he hits that. Uh, I just I think that this is setting up perfectly for, for him, especially if they do get up big, right? He's going to get the ball a lot in, in garbage time. Uh, I think that you could you could see a scenario where he scores the last touchdown or you know he rushes for close to 100 yards because he's get those, those last few carries. Uh, half a touchdown for Cortland Sutton. So, so does Cortland Sutton get in the end zone uh on on sunday yeah i'll go over for him i think those teddy touchdowns um get sutton involved after a quiet week i'm I'm sure sutton's going to be talking to him a little at practice not that sutton's that type but every receiver does that um you know i think we'll see more sutton love and also you know i said it about the front seven but it's true about the secondary too the the jags don't have the guys to match up um sutton should be able to make them look like children yeah. Wow. That You heard it here. You heard it here. <laughs> Zach Seekers. Bet on the Broncos. Bet everything Broncos this week <laughs> and you'll win a majority of your bets. Some won't turn out, but that that's a good betting philosophy that I will do for myself. Yeah. Don't right. take my advice. I don't know what the laws are on that. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I only got a couple more for you. One and a half sacks by Vaughn Miller. Over. I know we have to rapid fire these. So over. Easy. Yeah, no, over. I, I am. I totally agree. I think that if he can get two sacks against the Giants, he's probably going to get two or more against uh, the Jaguars. So, and I said last week, I, I predicted on the podcast, I think he has a 15 sack season. So he's on, he's on good pace right now uh, to hit that. So uh, last one, this is not an over, over, over under, but just a yes or no. Does Bradley Chubb play this week? I think he does. And I think he's going to have, you know, maybe a sack or two as well. Because, you know, rookie quarterbacks, Vic Fangio is going to throw out some confusing looks. Trevor Lawrence is going to hold the ball for a while. So I think Chubb plays and uh, has a big day. Though I could see the argument for we got this Jags game. Let's just play it safe. Yeah, I, I think he'll play this week too. Uh, and I also – I understand the, you know, uh, play it safe and, and don't play him. I just – I think last week – I think he was really close to playing on Sunday. Uh, at least yeah. that's what I was, you know, told. And, and it was indicated that he was pretty much just um, – you know, game time decision and, and that, uh, you know, the day of the game, I guess, because he didn't, he didn't go through warmups or anything, but I think he does play uh, on Sunday. And, and I think you're right. I think he probably has a sack or two. So, um, all right, lastly, Zach, give me a score prediction, uh, you know, 50 to zero sounds like coming from your end, but give me a score prediction and then I'll get you out of here. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to say 38, seven, I'm going to say 38, seven. I think even with uh, taking their foot off the brakes a bit, the Broncos should be able to run up the score on this Jaguars defense. Yeah, I think it's going to be somewhere around there, uh, 31-7, maybe 24-7, 28-7, somewhere in that range. Um, I just think that the Broncos are going to be too much for the Jaguars. And uh, I think you're right. I don't know how long Urban Meyer lasts. It's, it's an interesting time for the Jaguars because uh, I do think they have some nice young players. Uh, I just don't know uh, if it's at the right time with the right coach. Uh, and, and some of that has to, you know, play into that. So it'll be interesting. I think there's going to be a ton of Broncos fans at this game. 
Uh, again, I don't know what the Jaguars fan base looks like, but I'm sure they're not happy right now with the way that this team looked in week one. So, uh, and, and from what I've learned is that Broncos fans, they go everywhere and they are everywhere. They live everywhere. So I think you're going to see a, a pretty heavy Broncos crowd actually in Jacksonville, but uh, Zach, I think, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug anything that you, you want to shout out, maybe any stories you're working on? Uh, I know you guys have your podcast that comes out. Um, I don't remember what day, but it's weekly um, that you guys have a Mondays podcast and Thursdays, on. Mondays and Thursdays. Yep. So yeah, everyone check that out. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you so much. Everyone find my stuff at mile high sports. Got, tons of articles there every week for you and then uh yeah check out the podcast they're good stuff and at twitter uh at zach underscore seegers awesome thanks zach i really appreciate it man and uh i'll, I'll make sure to buy you some socks for your birthday <laughs> appreciate it bro have a good one man